You're listening to the Restaurant GM Podcast, hosted by the GM coach himself, Scott Stanfield. With over 25 years of experience in the restaurant industry, Scott has been through the fire. He's hired the best, fired the worst, saved failing restaurants, and boosted morale in culinary chaos. You'll learn how profits are poured by the glass, customer service is always served hot, and emotional intelligence is the manager's special. Tune in for leadership tactics that cultivate a winning culture, hiring practices that retain a loyal and hospitality-driven team, and personal development that will take your bonus, your restaurant, your brand out of the red and into the black. Here's your coach, Scott Stanfield. Today's episode is like having two guests in one. At times, I'll be speaking to Forrest Gump, and at times, I'll be speaking to the man behind Living with Gumption. This is going to be a trip and a course in mindset and organizational change. Forrest Gump and Steve Weber, welcome to the Restaurant GM Podcast. My mama always said, podcasts are like a box of chocolates. You never know who's going to be the guest. <laughs> you, ne- you never, never know. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. I'm uh, happy to talk about restaurant leadership. I never ran a, a restaurant, but I was involved with a restaurant chain and saw many leadership people in, in or many leaders in the restaurant business. And so I kind of got a, a front row seat, even though I wasn't actively part of that team. Right. You were with uh, the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company or the Bubba Gump Seafood Restaurants for 15 years. That's right. So they originally opened in 1996 out of Monterey, and I was hired on uh, for their grand opening. And the next day, my picture appeared on the newspaper, and they realized that, oh, gosh, this guy's not just uh, um, a face. He's a, he's a publicity machine for us. And, and they hired me uh, for the next 15 years, and I helped open 22 U.S. locations and eight international restaurants. So it was a great run. Wow, that is. And and you weren't in the restaurant business before that. No, I was selling uh, in the high-tech industry, living in the Silicon Valley. And um, back in 1982, 10 years before any of all this, somebody said, hey, you look like the guy from Bosom Buddies. And I says, wow, who's that? And they go, I don't know. It's just the guy from Bosom Buddies. And, and I said, What's the, what is it all about? And he said, oh, it's a, a sitcom. And I never had seen it. So that went on for a year or two. And then next thing it's like, hey, has anyone ever told you you look like Tom Hanks? So all through the 80s and 90s, I was hearing that over and over and over again. And uh, when, when Forrest Gump came out in 1994, I was Forrest for Halloween that year. And then um, a year and a half later, they opened up the, the Bubba Gump restaurant. And I had one of those moments where I thought, I'm either going to uh, call these people up and they're going to hire me or I'm going to be too scared to call them up and nothing's going to happen. And so I called them up and they hired me and, and I had a great run with them and I had a lot of fun just uh, sitting on the bench talking to people for the most part, but also doing a lot of PR things, TV and radio over the years as we went to different locations and opened new new units throughout the country. Wow. That's absolutely amazing to be, I mean, this is, you know, Forrest Gump is, a piece of a slice of Americana. I mean, this is iconic as it goes. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, people like in year one and two with the restaurant, people would say, well, this is great, but what are you going to do next year when nobody remembers the movie? And I said, well, maybe I can get a year out of it. And uh, then 
after a few years of that, I said, well, maybe I can get like three or four more years out of this. And, <laughs> and it was like, well, maybe I got five more years out of this. And so it, this was the 25th anniversary of the movie uh, just this last uh, summer, July 6th. So it's been, it's been, it, go, it keeps going on and on. And, and just Friday night, I was at a Christmas, a corporate Christmas party and, and people come up and go, man, I love that movie. It was so uh, it was so much part of what America stands for. And, and, and so it's like, it made a connection with people. And, and then people say, well, you, the young kids aren't going to know it. But from my experience, most, most like high school kids and certainly older, they've all seen it and, and they certainly know it. And, and just the, the phrases and the lexicon of the movie is part of, uh, part of our language. So nobody can say life's like a box of chocolates without knowing it's Forrest Gump and thinking about, about that. So yeah, very uh, unique movie. And I was very lucky and I'm grateful for the fact that I just sort of stumbled into it. Although I didn't really just stumble into it. It was one of those things that I called them up and said, Hey, you're not going to believe it. I look like Forrest Gump. And I, Essentially, they weren't looking for 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 me, and I just um, wasn't even looking for them. It just happened. It was like suddenly there it was sitting in front of me. They're opening up, and I'm 50 miles away, and the rest is history. Yeah, um, you you t- you hit on one of the things is really one of my, one of my questions. Just yesterday, I was interviewing. Um, I would say, you know, I'm 47 right now. And so I would say, I would say a young kid, he's 22 years old. This movie came out 25 years ago this year. And I, I was wondering about how, what the connection is with younger kids. And this is not a millennial question at all. This is just, you know, going back over time, you know, this is 25 years ago, 1994, I graduated high school in 1990. Right. So this is, you know, this is a long time ago, this movie came out. And so I was asking, you know, curious about the connection that, that you're still able to get with with people as you're going out and speaking to organizations about change. And we can get into the movie and, you know, the life lessons in the movie and the step by step process you have and, and what you teach, which is what I really want to dig into. But um, can you talk a little bit more about the, the connection with the movie after, you know, 25 years of it being out? Yeah, I think it's certainly uh, so I'm a I'm a baby boomer. It certainly everybody of my generation and certainly probably down to to people your, your age scott are very familiar with it they remember the movie coming out they've seen it um and what was neat about the movie is that it showed american history and and they inserted forest into like scenes where you know he was with the different presidents and and these were real archival footage of the presidents that they used trick photography like kind of like photoshop for videos and they just inserted forrest gump right into the to the movie they made lieutenant dan without legs and you know they they just cut his legs off in the movie and and so it did a lot of things that were that were kind of cutting edge at the time and and so now the younger generation they know it and they look at it a little differently they just feel good about it And, and it's uh i think it's part of the american dream that if we work hard and we do the right thing then you can be successful and it doesn't matter uh, what your pedigree is or how smart you are because uh, Forrest didn't come from a great pedigree and he, and he wasn't uh, uh, overly intelligent. He just was a guy who worked from his heart and did the right job. And, and I'm sure in the restaurant business, you've had people who, who, you know, come in and they're 
they, they're maybe a little bit, they don't quite get the whole thing right at the beginning, but they have such a good heart that, you know, they succeed in, in the business. Uh, and so it, it's, it's one of those things that people can just relate to who Forrest Gump was and, and all the other characters who, who, you know, from the movie, you know, we see ourselves in almost all of the characters, whether it's right. Mama or Lieutenant Dan or Jenny or Baba, you know, everybody, everybody is part of the American, American dream. Yeah, I'm I'm um obviously in the restaurant business and for a long time and from South Carolina originally. And so I've done my fair share of a uh, ball shrimp, fried shrimp, sauteed shrimp, it, you know, steamed shrimp, you know, impersonations <laughs> my, myself. Maybe we can go on the road and do a little duo of 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 those things. But uh but you I think you're really tapping into something in our industry because what I look for when I hire people is I don't look for skill sets, so to speak. I look for who they are on the inside, their character. And that means that I'm going to hire people that don't have the skills and, and don't have the polish sometimes to work in the restaurant that we're in. And we're having to teach them, you know, all these little, you know, finite, you know, finite small details that they would normally, if from the right upbringing, have the proper manners on which side is the fork going and which side is a knife going and which glass is mine and which plate is mine when you, you know, on, and all of those type of things. And, but the, you know, the people who have a, a little edge to them, a little chip on their shoulder um, and something to prove that come from a, a humble background uh, ha, will in the, in the long run be a much better employee than someone who is entitled um, and self-centered and may have, may have, you know, a better pedigree or a better, better resume, so to speak. And um, so I think you're, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head there. The original founding leaders of, of the Bubba Gump restaurant uh, used to say that, well, we can teach you all the restaurant skills, but I can't teach you how to be a nice person. And so that was, so they looked for, they hired for attitude. They hired for attitude and they, the skills part was, you know, that they, they figured out it's a, it's a system, you know, you just teach people the system, but can you teach a person to be a nice person who cares about other people? A little bit harder to teach. It is. It is. So, I was going to ask this question earlier, you know, but I just want to know if you could give one piece of advice because you've had this chance from being an outsider and look behind the curtain at what goes on in restaurants, lots of restaurants, spend a lot of time there. I'm sure you were like maybe trying to step away from the public and going behind the scenes into the, the kitchen and, you know, or grabbing something to drink in the server station and those type of things. And, you know, it was a new world for you at one point. So, what did you see, A, and that kind of shocked you? And B, what kind of advice would you give to people that are managers that want to raise their game in leadership just from the outside looking in? The, the, the biggest thing that I saw was the good leaders genuinely cared about the employees and wanted them to succeed and wanted them to have fun. And, and, and the bubblegum concept was all about fun. So they looked for zany people. You know, they were it wasn't fine dining. So it wasn't prim and proper. It was zany. And uh, so they, they were always making sure that people, the employees were having fun. And what that meant was that they had their back. They were watching out for the people uh, that worked for them. And, and, uh, and then that ended up translating into the, you know, into the, the dining room, because if those people who were serving the front the face of the restaurant going to each table, if they 
felt cared for, they were making sure that every customer felt cared for. And so, um, you know, it was, it, it certainly wasn't a fine dining experience. And, and, and you couldn't necessarily, the people who Bubba Gump hired to work for them wouldn't necessarily, you know, they couldn't do that same kind of an act uh, that they did, you know, at the tables at Bubba Gump, but it was all good, you know. And so I think that as a, my advice to a restaurant leader is care about your people the same way you want them to care about the patrons who come into the restaurant. Mm, that's, that's great advice. And uh, I, I, I can't agree with you more. That's, that's really huge. Um, so I, I want to dig into what you actually do now uh, what your business is, what what you do, and and this has to do with organizational change, using lessons from the movie to 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 create organizational change with um, like smaller independent businesses, right? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. So as I, uh, you know, so when I, the way it happened was I was working for Bubba Gump, and I became a bit of an expert on the movie, and I saw that people loved the movie, and and so I was like, well, how do I how do I continue along my journey as a professional and you somehow take this unique gift that I've been given and that, you know, I have this, an expert on the movie just by virtue of hanging out and playing a character for all those years. And so I, I thought I should become a speaker. So that was really the beginning of the journey where I thought, okay, I'm going to talk about the movie. Well, I, a funny thing, uh, Scott happened was I, my first presentation, I realized that I hadn't, you know, I, I was basically like a, a comedian. I was just using and telling the stories of, of what I had done, but there was no purpose for them. And then I joined the National Speakers Association. I remember hearing them talk about, well, what's your thought leadership? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, what is, I was like, I, I didn't have a thought leadership. I was just was telling stories. I knew how to make people laugh, but what did I stand for? What was I trying to teach people? And so anyway, over the course of a couple year period, I ended up writing several hundred blog posts, defining what it meant to be, uh, what were the life lessons from the movie, and what was gumption all about. I decided gumption was going to be my brand, and, and so I ultimately ended up deciding that gumption was the way you think, the way you act, and the way you interact with others. So your thoughts, actions, and interactions with others. And really it came down to taking personal responsibility for all three of those. So nobody's gonna tell you how to think, you have to decide how you wanna think, you have to decide how you wanna act, and then you have to decide how you want to interact with others. So in the restaurant business, you know, your, your thinking is your mindset in your actions are all of the details that you have to take care of in running the business, all the numbers, all of the things that you don't necessarily like to do, but are critical to have a successful operation uh, that satisfies everybody, the owners, uh, and then and then the employees. And then finally, your interactions, that's kind of the fun part. That's where you're interacting with your employees and you're interacting with your guests. And uh, and so, but you have to be in charge of all three of those. So that's gumption. You said you wrote a couple hundred blog posts. I want to know where people can find, where can we find this, all this stuff? Yeah, thank you. Uh, speaking gump, uh, just like this speaking as you, uh, someone who talks, uh, Gump, G-U-M-P, speakinggump.com, or on LinkedIn um, is a great place to find me. So Steve Weber and uh, Change Ambassador. And so anyway, I decided that I, okay, so back to how did I develop my message? I had no message. And so then I developed that message, but then that kept evolving. And I realized after a couple of years, Scott, that I didn't like just going in and speaking to people from the platform and then leaving. So I became 
I became more of a an MC where a organization was having a conference. And so I wanted to participate the entire time. And because I loved interacting with the people so I could have conversations in the hall and meet people and at dinner, you know, mix and mingle. And then ultimately I decided that it was more important to represent brands in going through some type of change. And people don't like change. I personally uh, have done a lot of change, but it's hard. You know, it's it's not fun to go through change. Anytime you join a different organization or anytime you make a big decision, you know, it, it disrupts your life. And and I've done it many times myself. And so I've tried to figure out, well, how does it, how do you make it, it work? And how do you do it so that you can, um, like one day, you're no longer part of, of this group. If you change jobs, you're now part with another group. And how do you, you know, adjust your mindset quickly so that you can, you know, not get caught into thinking about what had been and you still really don't know what's going to be, but how do you approach it in a positive light so that you are receptive and bring it in? So ultimately, I, I realized that I can help organizations that are going through some type of a change by bringing in some of the humor and, you know, Forrest Gump's just a nice icebreaker. So I, I basically just take basic business principles and mix a little gump in with it and, and it lightens it up. It makes it less threatening. And, uh, you know, the, the people who, and I'm, and I'm an outsider, I'm not, I'm not part of the organization. So they can hear the same thing from you, the new GM, but they can hear it from, from me and it can soften it a little bit. And then, you know, we, we try to make it so that it's fun for everybody, especially at that moment when you're going through the change, which is hard. You know, it's hard. Yeah, ch change is, is interesting about change. And I change, you know, I have to, have to deal with being a GM, having to either change things that have been changed from above me uh, or change things that um, I've decided to change. And uh, I've, things that I've decided to change is, are easy. It's so easy for me to, okay, this is the new direction. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to write the schedule. This is how we're going to do this. This is how we, all these different pieces of the puzzle. Or we're going to put this in this place now versus in this place. What I realized years ago was when things got changed from above me and I had to accept the change that it wasn't so easy. And I, what I love about what you're doing is you're taking, you know, a, like you said, you're an outsider. And so there's not the intensity of it being, you know, someone that I have to work with day in and day out and have, because studies show that Chris Voss, who wrote the book, uh, never split the difference to negotiate like your life depends on it says that a boss has to tell an employee to do something 19 times. And, and then he has a caveat unless you use what's called a calibrated question. And it's an amazing book. And, and I love using calibrated questions because it really shortens that time frame from 19 to probably three. And it really can, can move, move it forward. But, but my, but what you're doing is you're taking something that's like super iconic that people can connect with and they, they have, we have a relationship with a multi-generational multi relationship with this character, with this movie, and then you're breaking it down and you're helping organizations change faster and easier. It's, it's amazing how you're putting this together. And I'm, I'm kind of like speechless a little bit, which is rare people who know me for me to be this way, but I'm kind of in, in, uh, in awe of what, what you're putting together here. So um, you also use some elements of the movie too. I want to transition into this a little bit if we, if we can. Three life lessons in the movie. You talk about opportunity, choice, and journey. Can, can we talk about those a little bit more? Sure. You know, way back, okay, so my first presentations, I, I basically would, I, I, it was like 
20 different scenes from the movie and I described each scene and I talked about a life lesson from it. And it was like, you know, it was wonderful. It was fun and it was entertaining, but it was like, what did anybody learn? So I had to come up with, well, what are the real, what are the things that I want to talk about and what are the things that are most relevant from the movie? And so I got to make it up because I was just watching it and I had, I had studied every scene and, and knew all about it. But you know, as simple as it is, I just came up with three uh, symbols from the movie that were, the, were very well known. The beginning of the movie, the feather comes out of the sky, and in fact, the camera's following the feather, and you don't even see Forrest Gump until kind of the last minute, and the feather's going by tops of trees and church steeples, and in South Carolina, you're Buford, South Carolina, it was in right. Buford. Buford. And, and yep. so anyway, it ends up coming down and the feather lands at the foot of Forrest Gump and Forrest, we see him reaching down and pick it up. And this is before a word is spoken. There's music, you know, the, the lovely music in the background, but there's not a word spoken. Forrest picks it up and looks at that feather. That feather represents the opportunities that come into our lives. And, and we have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that just appear magically in front of us. Uh, and it's really not magic. I mean, we draw these things into us uh, uh, when we're looking for new opportunities. But the key is, is that they show up and then you have to reach down and pick them up. And so it's just like when when Bubba Gump opened in Monterey that 1996, a year and a half after I had played Forrest Gump for, for Halloween, that feather was now sitting there in front of me and I had to actually reach down and pick it up. So it's kind of a two parts process. So that's number one is the feather and the opportunities. And number two is the chocolate box. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, I kind of flipped that around a little bit and I say, uh, life's like a box of chocolates. You get to choose whatever chocolate you want. You get to choose whatever life you want. And really, I, believe, I wholeheartedly believe that everything that happens in our lives are because of the choices we make. So, so we, are, we are not being forced to take any one particular chocolate. We're not being forced to work for any company. Uh, we're not being forced to have any position in, in a particular restaurant. Um, you have choices. You don't have to you don't have to be uh, work on the line uh, cooking food. You you know you can go somewhere else if you want. But once you make that choice, once you pick that chocolate, then you own it and you have to do the best you can with it. And that only creates more opportunities because you know how many people in the restaurant business that are leaders in the restaurant business started out as leaders in the restaurant business? Probably none. You know they all started working as either a server or as a cook or as a, you know, whatever. And then next thing you know, they, they move up, they, they end up, you know, working the floor, they end up taking on leadership roles, they start making schedules. And the next thing you know, 26 years later, and you're running restaurants. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. So yeah. life is like a box of chocolates, you get to choose whatever one you want, and uh, you get to choose whatever life you want. So that was the second principle. And then finally, the, the shoe, the Nike shoe, uh, is that represents the journey of life. And I break it into life chapters. And the, the, the journey is the big thing, but really, it's about life chapters. And in Forrest Gump's life, first, he's a boy, then he's a high school kid, then he's in the army. Or then he's at Alabama playing football, and then he's in the army. And first he's just a, a grunt foot soldier. He gets shot in the buttocks, and then he's he's uh, playing ping pong after he recovers. And then he gets discharged from the army, and he he plays ping pong. And then he retires because he makes a lot of money because just kind of luck, 
you know, the hurricane comes and, you know, circumstances of life, things change. And all along, it's all constant change. And yet, Forrest responded to it. And the key was, is that he lived each moment in each moment he was living in the moment. The story he tells is about what had happened, but he does it sort of dispassionately. He's not stuck in the past. He just sort of gives a narrative of what had happened in our past. And he's not really worried about what's happening next. He just, a new feather shows up in his life and he moves to the next thing. What if we could all live our lives where we're in the moment and we're not, like we, we, we're not forgetful of our past, but we're not carrying all the, the, the baggage from the past. We're, we're just using it as good experiences. And, and, and so we're living in the moment. So when you show up to work, are you worried about what's happening at home? Or are you worried about, you know, what's you're supposed to do right then and there? And then same thing when you're at home with your, you know, with your family and your kids, are you worrying about what's going on at work when you're at home? Or are you like taking care of a family and being present with them. So that's, you know, it's easier said than done, but if we can live in the moment and, and Gump was brilliant at it, that's all he did is he just lived in the moment. So th that represents the journey of life. That's the shoe. So those are the three principles, the, the opportunities, the choices we make, and then the continuation of the journey. So long, well, long answer to your question. Yeah. Well, I asked about three different things. I mean, you just condensed a, you know, <laughs> your entire presentation down to a, a four minute, a four minute answer. And wow, this is, this is awesome because what, I mean, when you start thinking about the journey, let's start at the end. Let's talk about that because that's a big piece of what you, what you're talking about. And, and also like being present in the moment. I mean, what you're really, you're really teaching here is you're teaching, you know, brass tacks, emotional intelligence. Right. You know, cause you're really saying, okay, we can, we can learn from the past, but I don't have to be attached to it emotionally. Right. And, and, and also from Forrest Gump's perspective that I wasn't, I, he's not, he wasn't like worried with anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. Basically he's picking the feather up and he make, and life's like a box of chocolates. And then there was no, there was no worry, no concern about any of those things. And other than I remember from the movie, it was, um, well, we don't have to worry about money anymore. That piece of it, because what, he was lucky in that moment. He and Lieutenant Dan were out on the, out on the boat and the hurricane came through. All the other boats were docked and they got wrecked. And then he was the only ship, you know, the only shrimping boat at that, that right. point. Right. Right. And, but he hadn't, he wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for um, Benjamin Buford blue. Yeah. Right. He wouldn't have been there who we met in the army. Right. 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 And, and that was the, that was the gift that Benjamin, uh, Bubba gave him was he, he gave him the feather of the shrimp boat idea. It wasn't forest idea. Right. He just with it. And, exactly. and, the, and the key thing is, yes, he was lucky, but what made him lucky? The fact that he was out there day after day after day after day trying, and right. he didn't have instant success. So it wasn't like he was lucky on day one. He had nothing but failure. So he could have quit anywhere along the line, but he didn't. And, and then Lieutenant Dan showed up, and you know they still weren't instant success. And so that's a key element too. We, you it know, is. A, a person doesn't show up on the job day one and have instant success. They've got to take a few, uh, you know, a few lumps and, and make a few failures. And so as a leader, how do you, how do you encourage those people and how do you make them feel like they're, they're valued employees, even though they, they made some type of a, a mistake. And that's all, that's all about coaching. That's all about 
encouraging. That's all about training them to do the right thing next time so that they don't feel like they're an inferior human being because they made a mistake. They feel like, okay, now I know what to do next time around. Right. I, I won't make that mistake again. It, well, exactly. There, there's that piece of it too, but there's also, I think what, what you're really tapping into is, you know, a couple of things came to mind, like classic American stories too, like Sam Walton with Walmart. He had nine failed businesses before he actually had Walmart, which came the, the, at the time, you know, the biggest retailer in the, in the whole world, in, yeah. uh, or at least our country for sure. And, and, and then I start thinking about um, like our younger generation, you know, that you know, if they want something, they can stream it and they can binge on a whole season on Netflix or now Disney streaming and, and, and you know, those type of things or uh, Amazon, you know, prime and deliver the next day. And, and, and those things where we had to, we had to order something and like wait for it to show up in the mail, you know, when I was a kid, you know, and, and those things, but like, you know, when I look back on my, my career, I started as a dishwasher and you, 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 te- you mentioned this, you know, I was a dishwasher and then I was a prep cook and then I was a fry cook at a, you know, local seafood restaurant in South Carolina called Carolina Crab House that was owned by Steamer Seafood Company on Hilton Head Island. And, and I had it, and then I became, then I was, you know, an expediter and then I made it to manager and, and I kept, I skipped a couple steps, but I go back and learn those things. But I was in, in no way a leader in any, any way that what I would define as a leader is now. And it takes time to really earn your stripes and pay your dues. And it's not an immediate gratification type thing to when you come with these soft skills, dealing with people, um, learning how to deal with upset guests and upset employees and learning all the different things you have to do to, to manage a restaurant. Or like, for instance, my parents never, never drank any wine at all. You know, and, and I remember the first time I tasted red wine and now I can sit here and talk to level two and level three sommeliers about the five Bordeaux varietals and, you know, how I love Chateau de Neuf de Pop and it's from the Rhone and all these different things. But that was a long, long time ago, but it took layer after layer after layer, building block, building block after building block and making mistakes and learning from those things to be able to be- become, you know, uh, someone who can function in, 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 in a very dynamic changing high stress world of, of restaurants. And so I, I, I love the way you're tying this together. There's so many stories built into there. Gosh, I, I think we probably could talk about this for about, about four hours probably, but. Um, I'm going to circle back to one of the first questions you asked me and, and said, what was the one thing you saw as an outsider uh, as you looked at the, the restaurant and, and really what, what it was, was I'm going to call it showtime. Usually I would show up like during the heat of the battle, but I, over the years, I saw it enough where like the restaurant's calm, there's the people in the kitchen prepping stuff out, uh, servers start showing up and getting the, the, the dining room set up and organized, and, and then a bunch more servers come in, and then like it's like, like it's like a crescendo, it gets louder and louder and louder, and then all of a sudden, boom, the first customer comes in, and then it's all flat out to the wall the whole time for the next like three or four hours, and then within like an hour, it kind of all dies off and it's all gone and it's just quiet again. And it's like showtime type of thing. And so anyway, I, I just thought I wanted to mention that one thing. I, I didn't know that because I was, you know, I always, as a customer, I just showed up at a restaurant and was all going, you know, and right. so I didn't know like what went on before and what went on after uh, to make it all work and, and how there's like, like you, you know, 
you could sit and you could get to know people beforehand, your, your fellow coworkers, you know, like, uh, but, but when, when it's showtime and you're working, there's no time for that kind of stuff. You know, you're, you said high stress situation. It's a high stress situation. It's, it's nonstop. It is. And especially in the leadership role. It's nonstop. It's nonstop. It, it is. I, I, it, it took me a long time to realize that. And I, and I heard this quote that really helped me, helped me understand it. And it was from a professor at Notre Dame. He said, he used to get upset at the interruptions until he realized his job was the interruptions. Yeah. And <laughs> I, 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 it's, yeah. it's a nonstop, you know, game of being interrupted and, you know, multitasking or what some people call switch tasking because we can't really do things at one time, but we can switch between tasks and hold uh, a prioritized to-do list in our head mentally as we're going through all those things. And most people, like you said, from the outside doesn't realize what actually is happening in a restaurant before, during, and after. I mean, this is a, this is a production facility that brings in raw materials in the back door that if not are handled properly can make people sick and potentially people with weak immune systems. Um, um, it could be deadly if it's, if it's right. And we're, we're handling those things with people who have, for the most part, no higher education at all. Um, and people who, you know, from different countries who speak different languages. And we have a sales team that may or may not speak, you know, the native tongue of the country that we're in that are out there. And, and some of them don't even want to be there. They're there because they have to be in this entry level. And we're trying to pull off multiple five-star experiences on different time frames with different agendas and different things um, with different expectations. And the, 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 our, our guests are ordering a finished product that's being produced on the fly, on the spot, and delivered in a fashion that people we, that we pray they're going to go turn around and go onto Yelp or TripAdvisor or Google and say, that was absolutely amazing. We loved it. And we and I recommend you go back to that place because it was it was so good and such a great experience. And all that's happening every day in thousands of restaurants around the world every single day. And it's amazing and stressful. And and I love it every single day you know, that I that I do it. It's amazing, you know, with that. Uh, no, it's great. I uh I I, I admire the uh the people who are the leaders and choose to be the leaders of it because it's a, uh, it's, it's a special job. And, and if you, if you're, here's the one thing else I noticed about the leadership. If you are a guy who likes to work on a Monday through Friday, nine to five job, you better not be in the restaurant business because they, any, any, any leader is going to be there on Friday night and Saturday night, the two busiest nights of the week. You know, you got to be there. And that doesn't mean you can never have a Friday or a Saturday night off. But if you're not, if you're not there in your two busiest times out on the floor, making sure things are happening, making sure the whole experience of your employees and your, your customers is going smooth. Well, then you're not the leader of that, that group. Yeah, you're right. You're, 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 you're so distanced from what's really happening in the restaurant. You're, you're out of touch. When you, when the minute we sign on an offer letter to be a, a manager, you basically have given up almost every holiday. You, you know, you've given up almost every weekend. You're, you're, you've given up a lot of times if you're working. Um, you're either given up early mornings if you're working at a restaurant 
restaurant, a breakfast restaurant, or you're giving up late nights if you're going to work in a one that serves dinner. Yeah. And um, I, 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 my sister-in-law asked me one time, it was a Friday and she said, when are you going to be home to, tonight? Because our back to her house, because uh, you, know, because we were, I was staying at her house when I first was transitioning to California. She lives in, in Long Beach and, and it was a Friday morning and, and, and I was like, um, I, I don't, I, in my head, I, can't, I couldn't answer the question. I was just like, it's Friday night. I'm a restaurant manager. It's Friday night. I'm a restaurant manager. It's a Friday night. It's a restaurant. Manager. I don't know. I don't know. I just like in my head, I couldn't do it. I was like, and as I was driving, driving, I was just like, I, I came up with this and it should be a t-shirt. Maybe it says it's Friday. I'm a restaurant manager. Uh, don't wait up. <laughs> exactly. Cause I, and I just don't know what time I'm going to be off because you never know what's going to happen because it could be, you have a buyout for a hundred people with a, a large minimum that you just need minimum buyout that you just need to be there for. Maybe that, you know, you get hit late because of there's an event going on in the city that you're working in or, or any of those things, or it may just be a normal Friday night that, you know, things, you know, maybe die down about 10 o'clock and you're able to get out of there, but it's, it's just all those different things. Now, I want to get back to the movie because there's one piece of this movie I've always loved that I don't know it, many people really talk about. And you mentioned it in the beginning with the feather, but it's the soundtrack of the movie. Yeah. I, I think this, that, that soundtrack, I think about when he's running and, and, the, and Bob Seger against the wind comes on, th- those type of things. And, and I, I don't know what kind of, if anybody's ever talked to you about that, I'm getting chills now actually talking about it, but. I was just, if anybody's talked to you about the soundtrack or what your thoughts are on the soundtrack of the movie. Yeah. Well, there's uh, two things. There's the, there's the original music, the score. And that's the, that's like the, you know, the piano music and the, the different things. That, and so that's constantly going throughout the movie. And then there's the soundtrack, which is the, all of the songs like the Bob Seger against the wind, uh, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to blank on all of the songs right at the moment, but, uh, you know, I, I can hear any song now and I'll know the exact scene from it. Um, uh, the doors when Jenny's up on the balcony, ready to, you know, jump mm-hmm. off the, you know, balcony and, you know, things like that, that just were, um, made the movie. Cause we all knew those songs and then, and then the lyrics of the song, um, you know, matched the particular scene that was going on and, and it's pretty special. Well, know. well it is too. And even there's a, there's a moment where Elvis Presley, you know, yeah. learned how to dance from a young Forrest Gump. Right. And so yeah. you see, yeah. uh, you know, or, you know, there's, there's elements of that in there too. Right. Whereas like where Forrest is influenced our culture, like the, um, the smiley face with, you know, it happens, right. You know, right. there's all these different things that, that where he's been inserted into and, and nonchalantly, without even knowing, created some of the most iconic things in our, in our history as, as America. Yeah, I used to tell uh, a little white lie. That was one of the uh, phrases from the movie, too, a little white lie. Uh, but uh, when I first started, there was young kids that came up and they're like, are you the real Forrest Gump? And this is like the first few weeks on the job. And I'm, Are you the real Forrest Gump? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the real Forrest Gump. Are you the one they made the movie about? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the one they made the movie about. Are you the one who acted in the movie? And I said, no. And they went, oh, and they ran away and they were all disappointed. And I thought, <laughs> I said, I'm the real Forrest Gump. I'm the one they made the movie about. 
ah, and it was, again, you know, you make a mistake, but then you, you correct it. You go, ah, oh, yeah. And you immediately follow that with, and the reason, but, but I'm not an actor. So they hired the actor to play me for the movie and they only hired him because he looks like me. And then that became like kind of a believable story. And it was a, of course, it was a little white lie, but it was a way of having fun with it and staying in the character and not telling the big lie of, yeah, oh, I'm Tom. I, I mean, I never felt comfortable saying, oh yeah, I'm the actor they hired. That would have been, that would have been a bridge too far, but the, the kind of fabricated story. So, so, and say, okay, I'm the real Forrest Gump. I'm the one they made a movie about. And they hired the actor because he looks just like me. <laughs> well, in, in the restaurant business, and when you're a server and you're meeting the public, you have to, you know, you have to kind of tell little stories. And you can't be telling flat out lies, but you have to be creative in the way you say things so that it makes it, makes it sound like fun. Is all of it, you know, 100% the truth? Of course not. But it's, they're little white lies. They're like, the, they're the kind of thing that make it, fun for the people to be there. And um, I think that's an element of leadership. You have to be, you have to be honest with the people, but at the same time, you have to frame your stories in a way that motivate people and get them going. And, and though they can read between the lines. They know when you're, you know, you do it with a twinkle in your eye. You, 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 you tell the story exaggerated so that people feel good about what's happening, but you can't, you know, you can't make up stuff. You can't be telling, you know, falsehoods with it but you can stretch the truth a little bit so right right you know i i, I can only imagine how oh, how much you mentioned earlier your, your how much gratitude you have for this and i it from listening to you talk I, it sounds like it's been a blessing in your life and you know i don't think after talking to you and spending time talking to you that i can watch this movie the way i've always watched it for a little bit of entertainment i think it's it's and I encourage people to to go and watch the movie and think about what you've talked about today about about how how you can use these principles of of what the character Forrest Gump does in in changing your life and in absorbing the stresses of life and not letting not being anxious and not worrying and and just picking up opportunities making great choices and then understanding that it's a journey i maybe we can start a revival of the movie or maybe there'll be a maybe there'll be a, a sequel that comes out or something. Right. And we can see how little forest is doing and <laughs> all of those things. Right. Hey, you, you never know. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, top guns, a sequel for top guns coming out. And we had, you know, um, what was it? Finding Nemo. It took 13 years to get one and the Incredibles. It took a long time to get an Incredibles sequel. So maybe there's one in the, in the future and uh, you can yeah. be at the premiere and on the red carpet and, and, and people get to meet you out there. So do you, do you have anything else you want to add to the, to the show as we're, as we wrap it up? I think that if we all feel uh, gratitude for where we are at any one moment, our life becomes easier. So if you're, if you're a server and you're working in what you consider to be a, you know, a job that you need to have right at the moment, then put your best into it and, and work hard and do it with gumption. Do it with where you take responsibility for your thoughts, actions, and interactions with others, because it's only going to open a door for you. And if you're a, if you're, it's your first managerial job, um, but you think you're smarter than the general manager, well, you know, don't have a chip on your shoulder about it. Just go ahead and do the best you can and, and serve that person, serve your general manager. And because you're going to end up with 
the next opportunity that comes along to, to you know, do it your way. And then you're going to, then the shoe's going to be on the other foot and there's going to be some guy coming up behind, or some gal coming up behind you. And she's going to think she knows a better way. And, and if she supports you and does a good job, even though she maybe thinks she can do it differently, then she's going to have the next opportunity that comes along. And, and one of the things I saw in the restaurant business is there's no, there's not an overabundance of good talent. Uh, if you're good, you can go as far as you want in the industry. Absolutely. I agree with you. It, and you're, you're tapping on something that I see every single day where people come to work and I've seen this my, my whole career and they come and they don't give a hundred percent. They don't, they don't even give 80%. Yeah. They, and if, People just would take the time to dedicate to learning their job just a little bit more. Not, I'm not saying like be all in, <clears throat> excuse me, like I have been for the last over 20 years and just like really studying and digging deep on, you know, and, and learning about all the different aspects of the, of the industry. But I'm just like, say if you're a server and you don't know what the beers are on the, on the list or the, the, or, or the wines by the glass or uh, don't understand what, you know, different allergies are trending these days or different, different types of diets and, and being able to answer these questions in, in, to, in the effort to do what's best for the guest and what's best for the organization, then, then you're selling yourself short and you're selling everybody else around you short. And, and the same thing on the, on, the, on the manager level as well, what you're, what you're talking about, because you're right. There, everybody has a different way that they would go about doing the job, but that doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong. Because you don't understand maybe why the person made the decision above you or below you or beside you in those certain situations. And, and, and so having, you know, respect and supporting them and having empathy for where they are is, is, a, is a huge, huge uh, aspect to that. Steve, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This is, you know, we met on LinkedIn just not too long ago and, you know, just chatting back and forth or texting each other back and forth through LinkedIn. And I asked you about being on the podcast and, and this has been absolutely amazing. I, I never expected to learn as much from you as I have. And, and folks out there, if you're listening to this and you, A, are looking to make change in your organization, understand that how Steve has taken a story and we've wove this together in a way to be able to, to soften the, the change that peop, makes people so nervous and so anxious. And if you're a company that's looking for, to, for a way to make change that's lasting, can really move the needle in a very short period of time. Look Steve up on his uh, Speaking Gump website and, and go and contact him. I think you have a place where you can get a free consultation on there, right? They can set up something for, for that. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Uh, and, and one of the things that I had to do just in the last year is as I settled in on this idea of change and, and all along, I, you know, when I was developing the life lessons from the movie and the principles of gumption, I didn't realize that those were the answers to the problem, but the problem was change. And, and, and I had to make some changes myself. So one of the things that I'm going to do is I, uh, I was living in Montana for the last 10 years and I realized that I was too far away from, from everybody, from where the action was. And I realized that I needed to go back out and join the world for the next several years. So I'm, uh, I'm going to embark on a, a uh, three to five year journey across the United States. I'm going to live and work out of an RV. So you can track me down through my website. It's speaking gump. But the idea is that I'm going to be actually living with the people and uh, just meeting people. And I had to make a big change in my life. And I'm very excited about this next chapter. So the idea of chapters 
it just never stops. And the idea of learning, and you were talking about that, you said you've been learning this business for 20 years. The reality is, Scott, you're going to keep learning it for the next, you know, five, 10, 20 years, however long you're in it, because it just, the learning never stops. And, and so that's the thing that I would encourage everybody is that uh, change is going to be constant and learning is going to be constant. So uh, honored to be here. Uh, absolutely have people find me on my speakinggump.com website or, or on LinkedIn. I just realized that there's a correlation between, because in the movie, Forrest runs from coast to coast how many times? And yeah. now you're going to be in an RV going coast to coast, right? <laughs> You know, I maybe maybe I'm not sure if this is a life imitating art or vice versa. But yeah, and so I uh, I I've, I've taken this whole character thing kind of to an extreme, but uh, it's all good and I love it. And and you know, I felt like just like you probably feel like you know this is your destiny to be a one of the top leaders in the restaurant business. You know, my destiny is to to share the message of gumption and and encourage people to take more responsibility in their lives. Yeah, exactly. Whatever I can do to help people move the needle into being a better leader and making better job. Really, my focus is trying to make better jobs for people in our industry through teaching leadership or bringing people like you into to into the fold to help help people understand that manage. Nobody wakes up in the morning and go, "Oh, I'm so ready to be managed." People wake up in the morning and go, "I'm so I want somebody to lead me. I want somebody to help me. Somebody to coach me. Somebody to help me make." a little bit more money so I can either, you know, support my hobby or support my family or I don't know, just go take somebody out on a nice dinner or give mom some money, help mom out. So some, something like that. And our industry is, is in leadership is changing so, so fast and so rapidly that something like this is needed in, um, in, in, and so that's what my focus is. I'd really, I, I do feel like it's a calling for me and I, and I'm on a mission to, to, and this is why this is not the restaurant management podcast. This is the restaurant leadership podcast because leadership is the important piece of this. And, and, and implementing change that doesn't hurt so much is leadership. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you because I think that this, the way that you do it is, is fresh and it's new and yet is one-off. Very few people are going to stand up in front of the room and dress like Forrest Gump and be able to pull it off because they, we don't all look like, like Tom Hanks. Right. And we all don't have the ability to do that. And, and, and it's, it's your niche and it's your calling and, and, and the way you're going to go about doing it and the way you have gone about doing it, the way you're going about doing it is, is amazing. And I applaud you. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to, to be on your podcast. I wish you lots of success in the coming year and the next many years. Well, thank you very much. We're going to wrap it up right here, folks. Look up Steve Weber. Hello, restaurant people. Scott Stanfield, the restaurant GM coach here. And I wanted to give you a couple sound bites on what I learned from this podcast interview with Steve Weber. Super cool interview. He uses the movie Forrest Gump to teach organizational change for businesses that stick. The first thing I wanted to tell you that I learned was, or I was really reminded of, is how change really affects a person. Think about when things come from above you and they're changed and then they're kind of pushed through and you have to accept it and, and absorb it and, and make those things happen. It's not always the funnest thing to do. So what happens if you're constantly making change in your restaurant? What kind of instability does that create inside your organization, inside your restaurant? 
for your team, for your guests? What's the vibration that is put out into the world? So just kind of think through those things as you're changing things, getting ready for a new season, whether it be summer or a holiday. Just just focus on pumping the brakes a little bit. Now, nothing new here, but hiring for attitude, teaching the system, and then also how managers can really create a fun atmosphere that is pushed to the employees that then trickles through them all the way to the guest experience. But I think the biggest thing I took away from this particular podcast was learning from our failures, which is becoming a recurring theme in the interviews that I have. But what he really talked about was living in the moment and learn from your failures, live in the moment and move past what was happening without holding on to it is a negative way. And then in typical Forrest Gump fashion, it can become a lucky moment for you and move forward. Looking forward to your comments, subscribe, like the podcast, and reach out to Steve Weber at speakinggump.com. Scott loves answering questions, so please reach out to Scott, thegmcoach.com, where you can find all of his hiring tools, free downloads, and social media contact information. Scott's consulting services include everything from one-on-one coaching to group training and corporate keynote speaking. Please like, rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes so that we can help Scott create brand new leaders in the restaurant world. This podcast has been produced by Jennifer Heathers Eon of Beer Talk Radio, 900 East Karen Avenue, Suite H208 in Las Vegas, Nevada. 